You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Also on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yeah, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K N O W S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy Kush, and I got my co host with me, Corey Johnson. Corey, how are you doing today? How was your weekend? You already know Nosebleeds, baby. Weekend was. Weekend was cool. Weekend was cool. Good to get a little rest, get a little relaxation. Um, but it's time to get back on the grind, get back on the podcast, and we got a lot to get into. Yeah, well, I want to wish everybody a late happy Father's Day for all the fathers that are listening. Yeah, salute to all the fathers out there, all the dudes trying to do their best uh, to be good dads out there. Yep. All right, let's start with on this day. Today is June 22nd, and on this day, 1994, the Houston Rockets, led by Hakeem, the dream, Elijah Wan, they won their first NBA title, beating the Knicks 90-84 to 84 in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Take a listen. Rockets again by six. Time running out on the New York Knicks. The Houston Rockets Man, the Knicks just can't catch a break at all. Back then, now, future, whatever. <laughs> they just can't catch a break. And see, what was crazy was, like, that was supposed to be, like, the time where, like, Jordan was no longer in the league. And so it was opening up so many opportunities for everybody to be like, okay, this is our time mm-hmm. to get that that chip. This is our time to get to the, to the finals, especially everybody in the East. They felt like they could – beat the Bulls, even though the Bulls were still pretty solid. Um, the Knicks finally got through, made it past the Bulls in seven, get to the finals, have a chance to win. But Hakeem, man, Hakeem and the Rockets came through. Hakeem, he averaged 27 points and nine rebounds in the series, and he became the first player born outside the U.S. to win finals MVP. He was just that dominant. I think a lot of people sleep on him as far as like whenever you see people do like their top 10 um not a lot of people put him in the top 10 but I would I would say that if you put Hakeem Olajuwon in the top 10 I don't get mad or I don't uh feel some type of way because he was he he's that slept on to me as as a player and I think that he did a lot during his career that I think a lot of people mention about on the offensive end he slept on a lot of people you know, obviously, we know him to be the defense player year multiple times, but offensively, I feel like he was slept on, and that's why he's not a top ten. That's where some people don't have him as a top ten. I mean, he's definitely to me. Uh, yeah, he's up there for sure. He's up there for me because, like, and then you even think about the fact that he was. People also forget he was the number one pick 
in the same draft as MJ, who mm-hmm. people regard as the GOAT. So to me, it, yeah, he didn't – he only won two, but think about how many legends only won two championships in their career and were fortunate enough to even get to the NBA Finals. So I think that Hakeem – he sticks out just because in that era, it was hard to win a chip if he wasn't on the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, fully agree. All right, let's get down to the nitty gritty. We have some very devastating news that in NASCAR, uh, there was a noose found in Bubba Wallace's garage at Talladega Speedway in Lincoln, Alabama on Sunday. Uh, One of Bubba Wallace's crew member found it in the garage and reported it to the rest of the crew. Then they brought it to the attention of the NASCAR with the NASCAR then publicly launched an investigation. NASCAR basically said that quote, they will do everything we can to identify the persons or persons responsible and eliminate them from the sport. Uh, Bubba Wallace is the only black driver in NASCAR currently. And he came out and said on social media saying that quote, a painful reminder how much further we have to go as a society and how persistent we must be in the fight against racism. This will not break me. I will not give in, nor will I back down. I will continue to proudly stand for what I believe in. And actually this is just in on Monday morning, the U S department of justice uh, is reviewing this news incident. So what are your thoughts with this event that just happened in NASCAR? Um, I feel like I still need some time in order to like, you know, gather evidence. And I feel like until like the full investigation is done, it's hard for me to make a concrete out and out statement because I don't want to just come out. And of course, initially when you hear the news, it's like, it's, it's disturbing. It's troubling. It's not something that you want to hear, but I urge everybody that, is upset or they're feeling any sort of anger about this to please stop for a second and recall not too long ago that a certain famous individual said a story of how he was attacked and brutalized and completely just singled out because of his race and he even like possibly said also because of his sexual orientation. That person was Jesse Smollett. And it was found out that he wasn't being forthright and totally honest. So that's why I say people need to pump the brakes just a bit. Until we fully understand, until we fully get the full picture, it's hard for me to just outright come out and just um, give like a a full statement on this because I don't know the the complete story. And it's not even as if any pictures or any, we haven't even got any camera footage or anything like that. And so it's, it's, it's still an ongoing investigation. And while this is an ongoing investigation, I think it's wise that everybody just remain aware of that before they just come out making uh, drastic statements on either side of the spectrum. Yeah, but I mean, this is coming off weeks after the NASCAR banned the Confederate flags and also outside of Talladega, 
there were vehicles that were still waving the flag and even a plane flew over the track with a banner of the confederate flag that reads defund nascar so i mean it's nascar is a predominant caucasian sport and it's popular in the south where a lot of people still support the confederate flag so i mean i wouldn't be surprised if this is true and it wasn't staged but again i i agree we should wait for more information to come out but given the sport i mean i'm i'm just surprised with the nascar because it took them this long to ban the confederate flag and i think a couple years ago if this whole situation had happened i honestly think they would have just swept both the confederate flag and not done anything about it and also this situation i felt like it would have just been swept under the rug uh, but i think given everything that's going on with the u.s right now and the social unrest i think they're taking strides to fight racism and they're making sure to expose racism and by doing that they obviously want to be on the same path as the trend right now with social injustice and that's why they're bringing light to the situation um i feel like uh this is also and I know people will probably be shocked at my statements, but this is also a good thing for NASCAR because this is shining a light on the sport, a sport that, like, you know, like you just mentioned, outside of, you know, being in the South, not a lot of people talk about, doesn't really get a whole lot of national attention. But um, because of this incident, because of, like, what they've been trying to do with the Confederate flag and the different policies, and I believe they... Uh, kicked out a driver because he said the n-word I believe Um, and so they've been doing and taking different steps and just trying to make NASCAR as a brand uh, come across as an open opportunity a, a a sport and a brand that can welcome in everybody because as a business, you want to be able to draw in as many viewers and be able to draw in as many people as possible to become fans of your sport. And I think this is definitely a good business move on their part. But I, again, just, just, you know, just so everybody understands, I'm not saying that I condone the actions. I'm not saying that it was okay. I'm just saying that don't, always take what you see in the news and in the headlines as face value because stuff does get left out and also information. And like I said, this is an ongoing investigation. So different reports should be getting updated. And with now the FBI and the U.S. uh, Department of Justice getting involved, I think it's important to keep in mind that, um, that this is a serious thing. And so whatever happens that I think that the punishment should fit the crime. And I think that this is a, this is something in which that like it, it, I remember when back a few years ago, I want to say it was back in like 2017 in June, um, just before game one of the NBA finals, uh, it got revealed that LeBron James's home in Brentwood had the N-word sprayed on it, on his garage door. And it's been over three years now, and no footage, no arrests, 
no, obviously no convictions, no suspects, nothing has been, has happened as far as that investigation goes. And so a lot of people are, are, well, some people have, have put out and have questioned and wondered, did that even really happen? Because there's no pictures of the incident. It's in Brentwood, a place where cameras are pretty much everywhere. And we live in an age where cameras are pretty much everywhere. So those are the type of things that you kind of look for. I mean, even with the, not to get off track, but even with the whole um, Ryan Lockie situation where he lied, obviously, about going to a gas station and saying that he was held at gunpoint and all these things happened, and we get the footage, even way out in Brazil, there was footage of the incident. So my thing is, is that um, I'm waiting for the investigation to play its course, but at the same time, like you said, it doesn't really surprise me that something like this would happen in NASCAR, which is a predominantly Caucasian sport, which is predominantly in the South, which is predominantly as a fan base that are popular with the Confederate flag or popular with certain um, stigmas and uh, stereotypes that people would consider to be racist. So I, I just think that um, things still need to play out and, like I'm going to keep saying, this is an ongoing investigation, so I'm going to reserve uh, until the investigation concludes itself. Yeah, and with the U.S. Department of Justice, you know, now stepping in, we'll I think we'll definitely get more some more concrete details and see. Also, the FBI as well, yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll definitely see how things pan out. Um, but all right, let's move on to the NFL, like at the end of last episode, we told you it's going to be a lot of football. We're talking about this episode as well. Um, and let's start off with probably the biggest thing right now. And that's Jamal Adams coming out on social media and basically demanding a trade from the jets. And then we get another bomb and Adam Schefter comes out and tweets his top teams that he wants to play for. And, I mean, I'm not surprised by these teams because each of these teams that I'm going to list right now are all winning teams and all potential Super Bowl contenders. And that's uh, the Baltimore Ravens, the Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, San Francisco 49ers, Seattle Seahawks, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think outside of the Cowboys uh, and the Buccaneers, every single one of those teams made the playoffs last year. And obviously Tampa Bay with all their crazy off-season signings and then Dallas Cowboys uh, I think with the new head coach we'll see how things pan out but I mean it is Jamal Adams justified in making these trade demands I mean we've seen it with Le'Veon Bell we've seen it with Antonio Brown in recent history but outside them in the NFL it isn't really common to see NFL players demand trades yeah um I think well, we have to look at like the, the totality of the situation. So when we look at, and we talked about it a few weeks ago, like as far as should the Jets trade Jamal Adams, I was saying that they should at least consider it if he's not willing to just stay put and if he's desperately trying to get his money. But now going back to it, let me correct myself in saying that the Jets should only considered trading Jamal Adams if he's unhappy, doesn't want to be there, and it makes it clear that 
he's not going to play in a Jets uniform anymore, which by all intents and purposes, there was a video that is out of him pretty much saying uh, it was a fan that saw him getting into his car. And he said, you come into the fan says you come into the Cowboys, bro. And he says, I'm trying. So if he doesn't want to be with the New York Jets, I understand he's your best player. I understand he's your best asset as far as the Jets go. But if he doesn't want to be there, not to mention he's only 24. Right. He is still young. If he doesn't want to be there, if he doesn't want to be a part of your organization and he's tired of missing out on the postseason and not even being in the hunt to get in the postseason, then maybe you got to shop him. And as you said before um, in the previous episode, uh, this will definitely set their rebuilding process back. But I think in your work environment, you need to have people that want to be there versus people who are talented but don't want to be there. I think it's all important to have a good working environment and making sure that everybody's on the same page and everybody's willing to be on the same team, regardless of uh, who's making what and talent. I rather I would as an organization, I would rather have guys in the locker room that want to play for my team versus a guy who is is pretty much fed up and doesn't want to be there. So the Jets, they got to maybe and and it's not even like the Jets haven't been floating around trade offers or haven't been taking trade offers for Jamal Adams. I mean, they did so at the trade deadline last year. So. And that is also something that made Jamal Adams very upset because he was like, you don't take trade offers for Tom Brady. You don't take trade offers for your guy if he's your guy. Well, I think that it's been perfectly made clear that there's been some discommunication or there's been some dysfunction with the Jets front office and with Jamal Adams. And he just seems like he's tired of – again, not being in a winning situation. And he's also trying to get paid too. So it's just, I think if you're trading for this player, you have to understand that he wants to get paid, number one, but he also wants to be in a winning situation, which is going gonna, is gonna to be interesting whichever team decides to pull the trigger. How much would you be willing to give up for a guy who you got to pay? And if you maybe don't acquiesce to the number that he wants, you could maybe be losing out on him. Yeah, and I think when we were talking about this a couple episodes ago, I mean, the the Jets have still come out and said that they're they haven't really been shopping him. They want him to be a part of their future. But mm-hmm. I think back then the whole part was not getting a new contract. But I think more has transpired, and that's I think it's more of a he doesn't want to be a Jet anymore, more than just the contract. So I think even if the Jets offer him a contract he still may want to be traded. And I mean, I think at that point, like you were saying, if you are the Jets, you have to trade him. There's no way you can keep him and then let him walk. Like you have to trade him and get some sort of value for him. I mean, we saw this with the Raiders a couple of years ago when in the off season, they were like, no, Khalil Mack is our guy. We want him. And then come Labor Day, the guy got shipped to Chicago. And so 
this is kind of a similar situation. I mean, the, the unrest between uh, Jamal Adams and the Jets wasn't there with Khalil Mack and the Raiders, but I won't be surprised if the Jets now trade him because of the unrest that Jamal Adams is having. He's, I mean, I think his patience is just out the window now. But with him being in trade rumors, like you said, back from trade deadline last year to even now, what teams do you see as the best fit for Jamal Adams? Um, I think that uh, teams that would probably be a good fit for him would uh, definitely be like the Eagles because their defense, they, they, God knows their defense could use a Jamal Adams right now. I mean, for sure, because it seems like almost every single time uh, their defense is uh, kind of gone missing as far as in the uh, cornerback or safety positions and or there's injuries there. And I feel like Jamal Adams would just be a big help to their organization. Now, obviously, a lot of people are going to say uh, the Cowboys should, should, should definitely look at. But my thing is, is that. I don't know if the Cowboys have enough money to be able to even pay him. So what sense would it make if you're already in a contract dispute with your quarterback, Dak Prescott, and you come in and trade for a guy and then give him a boatload of money, it would definitely be bad, a bad look if you're paying somebody who you traded for instead of a guy you drafted. But uh, I, I think, yeah, the Eagles – and then um, I think maybe a, a, a team like maybe the the Chiefs just to fortify their defense. I know obviously they don't really – like defense isn't that big of a need because their defense is okay and they pretty much rely heavily on the offensive side of the football anyway. And they're pretty much just like, we're just going to outscore you and nobody's going to be able to keep up with us. But, hey, I mean – I think I think when they had uh, Barry, when they had Barry back there, uh, Eric Barry, I think that was a, a a player who they still haven't really found a, a, a legitimate replacement for, or, or somebody who is on the same level as him. And I think if they what? just yeah, Tyron Matthew. I mean, come yeah, on, yeah, he's good. I mean, Tyron yeah, he's Matthews. good. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. T- Tyron Matthew is great. And, you know, but, hey, I mean. I would actually – I, I would – this is – I don't even think this is a bold prediction, but I would say Tyron Matthew is better than Eric Berry. Well, I mean, like, as far as, like, Jamal – if you could have a Jamal Adams, it's almost like saying, like, with, like, a car, right? Like, everybody wants, like, a cool, like, car. But, like, if you upgrade to, like, top of the line, you just made your team that much better, or you 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 just making, well, yeah, you know, yeah, your garage I, I, look that I, I get much what better. you're saying with that, but I'm just saying to your very point, I definitely think they have had a safety to come in and play at the same. Yeah, I, again, I'm not saying like they they ha- okay. Let me correct myself. They they haven't had like somebody who I feel like yes, Tyron Matthews elite, and I feel like he's good safety. But I think like if you brought in like a Jamal Adams like like that, that would be dope. Um, Maybe even the Houston Texans could use some uh, defensive help as well. But I overall, thinking, I think that Justin, Justin Reed and Jamal Adams, two young stud safeties. That'd be. But I, I feel like the Eagles would definitely maybe pull the trigger on that because I think they could use some help on the defensive side of the football. Well, 
unfortunately, I'm going to agree with you and say the Eagles as well, too. I mean, they just lost their probably one of their best players on defense in Malcolm Jenkins going to the Saints. And they were talking about moving Jalen Mills to safety. And we know what Jalen Mills, a.k.a. Green Goblin, has done for them. And I'm just (laughs) not a fan of him. And it's like, you're going to move the guy to safety because he gets burnt every play at corner. But it's like he's still not good, in my opinion. So that's why I think uh, since they lost Malcolm Jenkins, getting Jamal Adams would definitely be an upgrade. And not only that, but you got to also think about the future. The whole reason the Jets were trading him in the first place is because they didn't want to pay him right now, which means if you trade for him, you're eventually going to have to pay him because that'd be stupid to give up whatever you give up and then not re-sign him. So you kind of have to think towards the future. And I think the Eagles, they have their quarterback situation already locked up. So, I mean, and that's obviously the biggest, uh, that's where most of the money goes from the salary cap. And I think they, their projected salary cap, or cap space next year in 2021 when Jamal Adam wants his new deal to start, it's uh, over $50 million. So, I mean, they have the cap room for sure. So you think that the Eagles have their quarterback situation already locked up? Well, I'm talking about in a contract perspective. Okay, okay. Contract I mean, perspective, they there's do. A lot of, there's a lot of chirping about whether no, or not right. Wentz is right, right. capable the but same. I'm saying I'm saying they're not in a situation with like the Jaguar. Well, we're not even going to talk about the Nick Foles. <laughs> but I'm like talking about a situation like the Jaguars, where they have Minshew, or like uh, a situation like Deshaun, like the Texans. They have Deshaun Watson, but they're going to have to pay him a hefty amount of money. Of course, and like or even the Dak Prescott situation, which we'll get to in a bit. But they have their player, but now they're worrying about the franchise tag. They're worrying about giving him a long-term contract. Like the Eagles ha- are set when it comes to having a quarterback for a while. And it's not – we can't write off Carson Wentz like he's a – No, I'm not writing him off. I'm just saying that uh, people have it, been debating. Like, people – so there, there's a group of people that say that Carson Wentz is a top-10 quarterback in the NFL right now. And there's some people which I'm more so lean towards this side, which wonder, can you rely on this guy? Because, look. Carson Wentz, yes, was having an MVP year the same year they won the Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, who was the guy who led the Eagles to the Super Bowl? Nick Foles. So right, I, get I, have, that, but I have to just question and wonder, is he capable of staying healthy? Can exactly. he stay healthy exactly. in an entire season? And when you get that, that injury plague or that um, – when you get that player who's injury prone – that's the question that you have to ask. And I think that's a legitimate question, regardless of talent, regardless of how big his arm is, regardless of numbers. If he's an injury prone player, do you want to just give him money or like make him, uh, you know, a franchise quarterback when you don't know if he's going to be able to last a full season? I mean, look well, I at the, look at the I Steelers. <laughs> I definitely think that when he is healthy, he has, like you said, he had that MVP year. He has the potential to play at that MVP level, but the whole thing is him staying healthy. So I think they that's where they kind of ran their risk-reward as the Eagles front office. They ran their risk-reward as like, okay, we're risking that this guy can potentially keep getting injured or we can get a reward and maybe get a MVP season out of him again and potentially a Super Bowl. And I think – the Eagles did a good job. I mean, they had a lot of holes they had to fill in this last draft, but I think they did a good job in getting a solid backup in Jalen Hurts in the of draft course. as uh, kind of a security behind Carson Wentz. So they're not, they don't have just some 
scrub behind him. So do you think with them uh, picking up Jalen Hurts, do you think that was sending a message to Carson Wentz? Like, we don't we, – because, I mean, if he – It's kind of tough to tell because, like, the thing is they paid him all that money. But, I mean, I think I think it was more of a – I mean, you don't, see the Seahawks like drafted, you don't see the Seahawks drafting a quarterback in the first or second round. Well, I mean, look at Russell Wilson. The guy hasn't – I mean, knock on wood, the guy hasn't had an injury history. Exactly. And the guy has played at a high – like – He's played at an MVP, which still boggles me that he's never got a first MVP vote in his entire career, but he's been playing at an MVP level every single year he's been in the league. Right. I'm just saying, just saying, if if you have your guy, you don't really make that those moves to, to draft a quarterback in the first, second, or third round. But, I mean, if, if you guys have guy. had a history of being injured – and it's yeah. like big injuries. That's like what I, again, injuries. that's what I'm saying. That's my point. That's my so point. I think it was more of we know our guy can get injured at any moment, so let's bring in a backup. And if it's a plus that we it lights a fire under his ass, that's just a win-win. We'll see. We'll see. But the Eagles, I think, uh, defensive side of the football, they could use a Jamal Adams for sure. And especially with what the Cowboys are doing there. They got C D Lamb, they have Amari, they have Zeke. I mean, Jamal yeah. Adams can do everything. And I think a lot of his run support stats gets, you know, kind of uh, brushed under the rugs because ranked amongst all defensive backs, not just safeties. This guy had six forced fumbles, which was tied for second. He was healthy, played one less snap than 3,000, which is third best. Tackles, he was fifth ranked among DBs. And then sacks, he was the best defensive back when it came to sacks. So, I mean, the guy could ball. And yeah. he can help in both the pass game and the run game. So, I definitely. What about think- your team? What about the the Ravens? Do you feel like the Ravens should go out and be shopping for Jamal Adams? I mean, <laughs> I, I would love to see. I think if you're any team, you would love to see it. But the whole thing is their whole future. So right now they have Lamar Jackson for two more years under a very very friendly contract, and for a quarterback that's ranked, would you say top five? right in the yeah well yeah based off of last season oh yeah yeah exactly so i mean if you have a top five quarterback making less than two mil a year i mean you're set for the next two years but now you got to think about it or uh excuse me ronnie stanley left tackle that's the second highest paid position on offense behind the quarterback they're gonna have to pay him after this season and then also, if you think about it, they just signed Earl Thomas and they released Tony Jefferson because due to his injuries and they uh, signed, uh, who was it, uh, Chuck Clark, I believe. They re-signed him. So, I mean, they, their defense is kind of set. Obviously, adding a Jamal Adams would just make things 100 times better. But when thinking about the future, this guy wants to be paid as a top safety in the league. You got to think about it. You're going to be paying this guy top money as a safety. You're paying Earl Thomas top money as a safety. You're going to be playing Ronnie Stanley the other offensive line, you're going to have to pay two. And then Lamar Jackson, in two years, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. So, I mean, yes, I would love to the Ravens to trade for him, but long-term rebuilding plans, that could throw a lot of things off. Because as we know, there's 11, side, 11 guys on each side of the football. And I think as of right now, the Ravens are content with what they have. It's not like it's a dying position of need for them. And that's why I think, making a move and possibly giving up a lot and getting someone like a Jamal Adams, it, it just wouldn't be smart for long-term plans. 
It makes sense. But, okay, so it, let, let's say you're the Cowboys, you're the Eagles, you're the Texans, whatever it may be. If you want to get Jamal Adams, what are you giving up? Are you giving up the two first-rounders that Jalen Ramsey got from the Rams or that the Bears got for Khalil Mack, or what are you giving up? I probably would say, like, Jets are probably going to hold out for uh, – They're going to be asking for two first-rounders. They're going to ask for a lot. They're going to ask for a lot. <laughs> like, you, you know, like – and see, that's the thing. It's like, are you willing to give up a King's ransom worth of draft picks? for Jamal Adams and what if what if he's just asking like what if his uh his demands as far as his contract are just like well Mm -hmm. I don't know if we want to pay you that much and now you just gave away all that all that haul so I think I think they're gonna I think they I think they're gonna probably demand at least I would say a first uh for like the next couple years what would you give up as a GM as a GM, um, I'll, I'll go first. I'll, I'll for sure. I'll, I'll for sure give up a first rounder for Jamal Adams, twenty four years old, best safety in the league. You can argue him and Derwin James up there right now. Um, I would definitely give up a first rounder, multiple first rounders. No, because of what you said, the whole contract thing. It's like you don't even know if things are going to work out. The guy could just walk. He could just screw you over, and he could just walk. So I think maybe a first rounder a third rounder two or a first rounder and maybe like a starting caliber player. Cause I saw yeah. this was floating around. It's like the Cowboys, they could offer, you know, a first rounder and Michael Gallup because now they have CD lamb. They have Amari Cooper under contract. So it's like, they don't really need Michael Gallup. And obviously a Jamal Adams would be a lot more beneficial than. And the jets Gallup. do need help as far as wide receivers. Exactly. They so. lost Robbie Anderson to the Panthers. Um, and I think just getting more weapons for a young quarterback in Sam Darnold would definitely be beneficial for them. So I think yeah, because you're not going to give up anybody as far as offensive line help, right? Because that's another position of need for the Jets too. But yeah. I just don't see. Well, they Dallas got Mackay Beckton, but they still have a lot of work to do still. Yeah, but like you said, I think I'll go first round pick um, for next year. Um, but it's hard for me to to up it to uh, two first round picks just because like you said uh i mean yes see the thing is is that like everybody thinks that like the first uh, first round picks are very valuable because of the potential and the potentiality of the the pick but at the same time when you think about it really how many first round guys hit in the nfl not too many not too many I think it, it the first round pick is, but it's valuable it's in the sense of. I think the value of it is put on a bigger magnitude rather than other course. sports when you think about NBA because there's in NBA there's only two rounds of, of drafting course. in the NFL you have seven rounds of drafting so that's why I think a first rounder is a lot more valuable because the discrepancy from a first round talent to even just a third round talent it's a big difference like in the first round you're getting. You're obviously looking for a franchise player, but not only that, you're looking for a player a, a who game is a changer. solid, solid starter. Right. Like, even if he's not a franchise player or whatever, but he is he a He can solid start starter. on day exactly. one of the season. Yeah. yeah. And then if you're looking for the third round, you're looking for more of second string, third string. Maybe somebody who can develop. Team. Yeah, somebody who can develop. Exactly. So and that's so, why uh, I think – Yeah, I, think I, would go, I would probably go like a first, uh, either a third or a fourth, and – uh, probably a, a starting caliber player, like you said. 
Oh, so you're giving up a third and a starting caliber and a first? Yeah, yeah. I would be yeah, willing to do that. That's a lot. I know that's a lot, but, I mean, I, I would be willing to do that, though. Interesting. So, okay, so if you're Eagle, who, who are you going to give up? Um, see, I was going to say, like, somebody, like, on the defensive side of the ball, but at the same time, the Eagles Their really DBs don't. need help. The linemen, yeah, I think, exactly. are too valuable. Maybe maybe give exactly. up a Timmy Jernigan's, a defensive tackle, maybe something along the lines of that. Something but. like that. I would probably say, like, something like that. But it's hard to, like, to, like, put into into terms of who you think that the Eagles would be, like, willing to give up. Uh, just because, especially, like, they're not going to give up anybody they, they feel that is too valuable, obviously. But it's but, also, I think at the same time, you got to take into consideration they're also battling out against their division rivals. Because, you know, yeah, that's what I mean. Go for them so too. It's, so it's, they might, they the just Jets, might overpay. Like the Jets have the upper hand with yeah, the Cowboys or the Eagles because they're like, okay, you know, well, I'm talking to the Eagles uh, or I'm talking to the Cowboys. So it's like, what are you going to give me to like solidify that this trade is going to go through and they might have to overpay for him? I think the Jets are in a good position as far as what they can do. Now, I think that they shouldn't trade him like they shouldn't let this draw out into the the start of the season. But now if they do let it go to the start of the season, then if the stories start to just constantly be nothing but Jamal Adams this, Jamal Adams that, Jamal Adams this, Jamal Adams that, you don't want his value to be killed. Because we well, I mean, like, that's something that's happened with Le'Veon Bell with the exactly, Steelers. Exactly. And then if you're Jamal Adams, it's 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 also a good thing that he's not in a situation where he's uh holding out. So it's not like he's gonna be missing out on money. He he still can play. It's just Yeah, he's still under contract for this yeah. upcoming season, the twenty twenty season. Yeah. Um he's still on his rookie deal, but I think he just wants that contract now because we've seen guys in his draft class already get paid. Miles Garrett's gotten paid, mm-hmm. uh, Christian McCaffrey's gotten paid, and those are guys from his draft class. So I mean And I think that they were saying like Miles Garrett, like they were uh the Browns were trying to like reconstruct his contract. Um like as far as like recently, they were saying like So they re signed him and then they're trying to reconstruct it already? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was hearing. <laughs> like they were maybe trying to reconstruct his contract deal already. I'm like oh. Oh, okay. wow. That's, but, that's some brown shit. I'm not even going to lie. That's <laughs> some shit the Browns are doing. Hey, bro, we got this, you. We're going to give you the bag. But hold up. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. We're going to reconstruct it. Like, what? Come on now. Oh, man. All right. Let's move on. Or let's stick with the NFC East theme. And we got the Cowboys, as we were just talking about them. Dak Prescott reported to sign his franchise tag tender. The franchise tender deal would be uh, $31.4 million. So he's still, he's still getting the bag. Yeah, of course. But, um, and they have till July 15th to work out a long-term deal. But, you know, signing this franchise tag from Dak Prescott, it doesn't make it seem like the sides are close to a long-term deal. No, nah, um, and it's already June 22nd. So we're almost to the end of June. Exactly. So if you had all this time to negotiate a long-term deal and nothing has been able to get done – I think you might as well just go ahead and slap that franchise tag on him. Well, and they already was, they already did, but it's just now on Prescott. Well, yeah, I mean, like he should, he might as well just go ahead and sign it because this they they look the the Cowboys seem as if they're in a position where they're not trying to overly commit to D- uh, Dak Prescott because at the end of the day, it's not like he was 
somebody who they drafted in the first round or second round. He, you know, he was a late round draft uh, draft pick who ended up turning heads in preseason. Tony Romo gets hurt. He ended up being the starter. And next thing you know, he started to just flourish from there. And so, uh, but it's not to say that things have been perfect with Dak. And again, I want to clarify something because like a lot of people were coming after me, like saying like, how could you say that Dak Prescott is like a top 10 quarterback? If you now look you said at top five. Okay. Don't you encode it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. I can say, okay, just based off of last season, again, look at the numbers for last season. You could arguably say he was in the top five as far as quarterback. But I know people are going to come after me and say, like, oh, yeah, he's top five but couldn't make the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I get you. I get you. At the same time, I get you. But my thing with – the whole thing with Dak Prescott is, is that I'm, I'm – I feel more so as far as his – his reliability on the field, I don't feel as if he's going to uh, – I don't know if he's necessarily going to be able to ever lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl. Because some guys you just know, like, you, you, you see them play and you kind of feel like, okay, this guy, he's got it. He's got it in his bag to be able to get this team over that hump. And sometimes with Dak, you wonder, like, you just don't know. You just don't know. You just don't know. It's, it's, it just, I'm not saying he's like Kirk Cousins or anything, but just that feeling and of that reliability is – I just feel like with certain guys like Matthew Stafford, uh, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, good players, great guys, but sometimes I just wonder, like, can I trust you? Can I trust you? It's like, it's like a relationship thing. It's like, can I trust you? It's like, are we together? Are we on the same page? Can I trust you? And if you have to constantly ask yourself that question, then you know that they're not the one. Well, Dak Prescott has seen his two colleagues that were taken one and two in the same draft. Jared Goff got paid, and Carson Wentz got paid. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know how you haven't paid this man yet. The guy just had a career year last year, and that's with Jason Garrett. Yeah. Now you're bringing in Mike McCarthy. I mean, I think you want to just wait to see how things pan out if you're the Cowboys because I mean, you don't know how yeah, he's going to be able to fit in with this new coaching staff. I mean, it's Mike McCarthy guy. I mean, the guy coached an MVP Aaron Rodgers. He coached a Brett Favre. Like this a lot of guy, people sleep on Mike McCarthy because they don't regard saying. him. So, I mean, he's 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 a good coach. Like people thought like green like the national media was always making it McCarthy versus Rodgers, and once McCarthy was out the door, everybody was saying, like, yes, finally, finally get him out of here. And they, everybody was happy because they were, you know, thinking that this is going to be the perfect opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to flourish. And don't get me wrong, yeah, he got to the NFC Championship game, but how much longer are we going to say that Aaron Rodgers has as far as a Super Bowl window? I mean, give that guy a defense. He hasn't had a defense in God knows how Very long. Very true, and – Still hasn't been able to get, like, a first-round playmaker either. So I'm saying. Okay, no, but look, back to Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. I mean, just put it in, into perspective this way. $31.4 million is the franchise tender deal this year. Next year, it's going to be 
million dollars. And you know Pat Mahomes, he's getting his contract, whether it's this summer or next season, and then Deshaun Watson's getting his contract too. That's forty million plus. Get like guaranteed those guys will get forty million plus. No no if, ands or buts. Which means the market is gonna skyrocket after these young guys get their contract. And it's if you're the Cowboys, this guy has been healthy which is a big thing that we're questioning with, you know, Carson yeah, Wentz. The guy exactly. has been healthy and he's been producing. If it's not for his defense, which has been, which was so shitty last year. I mean, if it's not <laughs> for his defense, they could have, they for sure would have made the playoffs. That's no doubt. I, I, but. My, my biggest thing is always that it's been, and it's not to make an excuse. It's just to point out like Cowboys defense has not been that great. And with Jason Garrett as well, so I'm saying not, not that great. So it's a whole uh, other ball game. Just bringing in a head coach, like keep the same team, bring in another yeah, head coach. It's yeah. a different ball game, and especially yeah. in the NFC East, a division which is so wide open. the The Giants are in their latter build, their latter stages of the rebuilding, and I think well, that's I think after this year that'll be it'll be a good uh, uh, indication of whether they're in their latter stages. the The Redskins are the worst team in the NFL now. And the Eagles are the biggest wild card in the NFL. They will be Super Bowl contenders one year and one of the bottom tier teams the next year. So, I mean, this is the Cowboys year. And I mean, whether he, if you're Dak Prescott, I think, yes, he, cause he still hasn't signed it. He's planning on signing it today. If you're Dak Prescott, I think you sign the deal because I mean, yes, the biggest question is you sign this deal, you get injured, the money's not there next year. But there's also a reward in signing the uh, franchise tag this year, next contract. You ball out. Getting, yeah, you ball out. You get next year's contract. And let's say your chemistry with Mike McCarthy is immaculate. Do you, that may be more incentive to sign him and give him more money, and he will be on the Mahomes and Watson level. And Right, because if think, you bring in a new guy, then you have to start that process all over again. He has to get acclimated to the team. Get well, I think that's why they brought in. I think that's why they brought in Andy Dalton as well. But I mean, even even if things don't work out, you're a free agent. You walk. I guarantee you, a team is gonna pay you. There's a lot of teams that could use a uh, could use a quarterback like Dak Prescott right now. Exactly. So I mean, it's oh. it's. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the biggest thing, and it's. I mean. It's not such a subtle risk, obviously, him getting injured. We've seen it with players in the past happening to them. Uh, but, I mean, the reward is gigantic if you sign this franchise tag and you play out this one year and secure the bag next year. It gives again. you more leverage if you're able to uh, ball out this year. But and I, just look at it, also- I, look at, I look at it similar to previous situations, like with Drew Brees. Um, and Kirk Cousins, I believe they said like um, with the past like few guys who have been franchise tag at the quarterback position, none of them have ended up staying on their team or have received like a long term contract. So, bar- uh, looking at the trend, would you say that the Cowboys? Let's just say Dak signs this uh, this franchise tag tender. Do you believe the Cowboys will eventually? give Dak Prescott a long-term contract? Well, it depends on the season. I mean, if the guy stays healthy, they'd be stupid enough not to because, like you just said, with the Cole Kirk Cousins situation in the Redskins, guy had a franchise tag, and then the next year he walked, but he still got paid. He had the highest guaranteed contract in NFL history at the time. 
And I mean, so so if you're Dak Prescott, <laughs> you're, you're, you're not you're not a mistake. You're not gonna situation. be bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you're, gonna, you're gonna secure the bag regardless. It's just if you stay healthy, and, and I think he is gonna stay healthy because. Dak has the potential to be somewhat of a scrambling quarterback, but he doesn't need to. His offensive line is good. Uh, he has a great running back in Zeke and even a backup running back in Tony Pollard that they're not just going to play be so pass-heavy on defense. They're going to stack the box sometimes. So, I mean, Dak Prescott has a lot of leeway, and I think that's, that's why the injury shouldn't scare him as much, but then again, it can happen in a snap of a finger. Well, we will see because this is the year that a lot of people are saying is 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 Super Bowl or bust when it comes to the Cowboys. Well, I think that's just because Cowboy fans are so. But then again, that's every year. So <laughs> that's Cowboy fans gonna be Cowboy fans that's every year. Be. Every year, Super Bowl or bust, and it's been a lot more. Well, I mean, bust I mean, I also don't blame them. I also don't blame them if you're in the situation that the Cowboys are in, given their division. I would kind of feel the same way, so I can't really blame them. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just the biggest thing I I, I want to see from Dak is uh, I don't care if, if like so like if they win the division, cool. But if they get bounced out in the first round, people will be like, "Yo, what, what's <laughs> what, well, yeah?" What's if they that? Make it as if they make it as like a three seed or something like that, or even a two seed, because now they've expanded the playoffs exactly, and only the one seed gets a buy. So I mean, even if they make it as a two seed and they get bounced out by the lowest team, the seven seed. Then yeah, but wouldn't that just be typical Cowboys? <laughs> like accident waiting hey, hey, to happen. It. Hey, you said Cowboy fans don't come after me. He said it. <laughs> accident waiting to happen. But hey, we always say every year with the Cowboys. Well, see you next year. Well, first things first. We got to make sure we have a season. And I mean, true. with everything that's going on, like most recent news is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just had at least two players test positive for COVID-19. So, I mean, yeah. we're seeing everything that's going on with the NBA, the MLS uh, starting up, and then we were seeing everything with college football. So, I mean, it, things are not looking good for sports right now. I'm just going to be honest. Um, and as, as much as I hate to say it, but, I mean, the NFL and the NFLPA are continuing to work to finalize a protocol for players' safety and for for them to return to team facilities for training camps and practices and eventually preseason. Um, But right now, the NFL Players Association is advising players not even to meet up to work out together. That's how. And, um, I mean, the the NFL has even come out and created a tier list of – or tiers – of access to team facilities when the teams return. I mean, tier one, obviously the players, coaches, trainers, physicians, tier two, the GMs, football operational employees, assistant coaches, security. I like that. That's smart. Tier three is operational personnel, in-house media broadcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, the NFL and the NFLPA are trying to come up with, and and I think it's so smart of them to do it early and not just be like, okay, now the season's already, let's try, let's start coming up with something because I mean, they got time. The good thing for them is that this is their off season. So they have had a lot of time to be able to plan out and a lot of time to be able to uh, develop a plan together. And I think what some, what some have suggested that the NFL should do is maybe uh, consider a, a similar situation with the NBA and just, Maybe go with like a bubble city or two to just have majority of the game. Maybe you get AFC playing one city and but you see, have the NFC thing, playing one. The city. thing with that is like, yeah, I get it, but 
NFL is so different from the NBA. NFL plays Sundays and only that's true. Sundays. That's and it's true. like if you're going to have a bubble of only one or two fields, that's almost impossible to do unless you yeah, start 32, playing games yeah, on week, yeah. weekdays. Like that's, that's, that's entirely impossible to do. I'm just going to be honest. So that, that whole bubble situation is not going to work. And also they have the – they have – you know, it's not on their side that, quote-unquote, the second wave is going to be during their regular season. A lot of people are saying that the second wave is going to be around November, but we're already potentially seeing a second wave. Where I don't even know if this is still the first wave. Like, we never actually got out of the first wave, and people just started opening their shit up. Like, oh, let's oh, be all dandy, but let's uh, also spike up the coronavirus numbers. So, I mean, I think the NFL is going to be in that latter stage where we can still see coronavirus very prominent or spike back up again. So I think they have even more work to do than leagues like the NBA and stuff like that. But I mean, they, they're come out with this tiers of access for team facilities. NFLPA is doing a good job, not, inv- not advising players to work out. Cause you know, because since tra- a rookie mini camp and training camp and all that is not there, players have gone out. We've seen Lamar Jackson with Antonio Brown and uh, oh yeah we've been seeing them working out so they can still get their reps in and stuff like that but now the players association is not even it's saying that's not even advisable so the players are kind of just like stuck now they're in a shitty situation and i mean for the nfl's team's timeline what what are you gonna see from training camp to starting preseason to even starting their season what's it looking like i think that they should definitely because uh, there was an idea to shorten the preseason to just two games instead of have the, the four. They should do that. Uh, I think it, that not only lessens the chances of players contracting COVID, but it also lessens the chances of players getting injured as well. And I think uh, this this tier list is definitely a good idea of just not allowing everybody at the facility all at once. Right. Just make it so that there's only a certain amount of people that can be at the facility um, that are required to be at the facility. So that way you don't have so many people all gathering up together. Because I think that's the biggest thing that we've seen with this COVID-19 is large gatherings have not been uh, a good thing as far as trying to keep yourself protected or keep yourself safe tell as far to, as the coronavirus tell that to florida and texas and california yeah. Orange yeah. County to be specific yeah exactly but i, I just think that uh the, the idea that you're you're gonna be able to like because when we got we heard the news about ezekiel elliott uh testing positive for it and like several other Cowboys and Texans players testing positive for it. It was like almost like jaw dropping because it was like, what? Like, what the heck? And I think it's more so when it's, it's, they actually put a name to it because, you know, a lot of times they'll just say like unnamed player or uh, two players have tested positive. But when they actually put like a, a star player's name on it, like if it came out today, Le- LeBron James tested positive for the coronavirus. All hell would break loose. Like that would literally be like, what the, what the heck? <laughs> you know, like NBA season would have been canceled for damn sure. For sure. Exactly. So Tom, Tom Brady 
get test positive. Well, for honestly, or... it could be Tom Brady. They said two Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they didn't. They said at least two players tested positive. They didn't. Right, they and then even like with the whole Lakers thing, they said like uh, three. I ma- believe it was three players. Yeah, but they didn't name like the the players' names. So and the knows? thing is, is this is all happening, and no player has or coaches have reported to training facilities or training camps per se. So it's like. Even if you open up training camps, we've seen it with the NCAA that's going on right now is they started opening up teams facilities for voluntary meetings and it just an outbreak started happening. You're seeing over 10s, 20s players testing positive for coronavirus. So who's to yeah. say that's not going to happen like in Clemson, the NFL yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, that's one of the crazy things when you run the risk of that happening when you have like so many people all exactly. gathered up. So. And especially it's, like it's, training it's, camp in preseason, there's a lot more than just 53 players because there's players that are trying to make the team at the same time. Exactly. Cut. There's about 70 or 80 players. And then that's, that's just the players, not the coaches, not the player personnel, not the media. So it, it just adds up and up and up. And it's just not a good look for the NFL. It's not in their favor at all. It's really not because it kind of forces their hand as far as having to make stricter policies especially if you see like a spike up in players uh, getting uh, testing positive. But I think that the the biggest thing that they need to do is to uh, maybe focus on uh, just like, as far as like, I know they've been having like meetings via zoom and stuff like that. I know that it's been pretty hard to be able to, do like workouts and team workouts and things of that nature. But if they could like maybe do like, like a few drills here and there where maybe on like certain days, you only have like certain guys, like offensive line comes in this day, defensive line comes in this day, safety and, and uh, cornerbacks come in this day. Maybe they could do it like that. But I think Uh, coaches at that point, like speaking from my football background playing in high school, I think, coaches will definitely get restless with that because they're going to want seven on sevens. They're going to want team practices together and stuff like that. And they're just right to simulate game situation. Yeah, exactly. Hard. Yeah. It's just hard. Cause it's like you want, cause as a coach and as a player, you, you want to be able to work out, you want to be able to do drills and stuff. But the thing is, is like off season is supposed to help you get prepared for games. And exactly. Because build that team chemistry as well. Too. Exactly. Because practice during the season you're mainly just studying your opponent exactly. and you're mainly just scheming at that point. Off season is supposed to get you ready as far as game situations, team building. Basically. Exactly. And that's supposed to build like the camaraderie and all that other stuff. That's why they say like the football season in itself is short, but the, the off season preparations, that's where the, the team building and chemistry, that's where that happens. So and I don't know. They, football is, I think, probably the sport that has the most starters. Am I wrong? I'm trying to think. I, I can't. I, I don't. I can't think of it. Any other sport that has more starters? Twenty-two starters on each side of the ball. I can't think. Or of sorry, that. eleven on each side of the ball. Twenty-two total. Yes, yeah, twenty-two. So I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on like you were saying like the season really starts in the off season, and I mean you can't really say that for a lot of other sports. But football, it's very prominent. Yeah, because like I said, it's not like you, the idea of doing drills is nice, but like you said, got to be able to simulate game situations. And if you're not being able to do that, uh, it's going to make it really difficult come game time 
um, for everybody to be fully prepared. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Um, well, I mean, obviously with the whole social injustice going on as well, we're always going to touch light on the Kaepernick situation when we talk about the NFL. And Roger Goodell had that statement before where a lot he was getting criticized for not even mentioning Kaepernick's name when he was basically the one that started the whole movement in the NFL. Um, not basically, he was. And uh, Roger Goodell came out last week and expressed that he encourages teams to go out and sign Colin Kaepernick. So, I mean, that that's a good sign from Roger Goodell. And also, it, he has traction as well. I mean, we've seen the Chargers, the Raiders, the Eagles. Like, they've all expressed interest in signing the 32-year-old quarterback. And it, if you're an NFL team who – or which NFL team would you see Kaepernick potentially signing with? So the team has to be someone – I think it has to be a team that they're not fully confident in their starting quarterback. And when I say that, I think it has to be a team that hasn't recently signed somebody as their starter because a lot of people have been floating this idea of him being a backup, but let's be real, let's be honest – if you're signing Colin Kaepernick, I don't think he can be your backup quarterback because there's going to be so many people who are going to be banging at your door, whether it's on social media or whether it's literally that are going to be telling you, play Kaepernick, play Kaepernick, play Kaepernick. And that's, and then even in the locker room, you don't know if how that's going to flow amongst your players if you bring them in. Are they going to be cool with him just being on the bench? So I think that um, maybe like a maybe like a team like you could say like obviously like the Chargers are are interested in bringing him in. I think that's a team right there that's not too fully confident in their uh, their starting quarterback situation. I mean, obviously, yes, they drafted Herbert. But you, yeah, they, a just, lot of people, they, they just put their chips in with Herbert. I mean, they could have got. Yeah, I, I know they drafted Steve. Herbert, but but I'm 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 a lot they of people under the belief Tyrod that they're not too. they're not. Yeah, they have Tyrod too, who I think Tyrod is who should be still starting in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Chargers are a team that um, they don't seem like they're they're. Yeah, they drafted Herbert, but I, I feel like Herbert is. I'm feeling under the um, I'm under the belief that I feel like he should maybe sit out this season, which I think like, yeah, obviously nowadays you're not really seeing a whole lot of guys just sit out, but I think that he would benefit from sitting out just because I think um, jumping in straight away, like starting week one, I don't know if that would, uh, if that's going to be a good thing for his growth because just, just looking at the guys who sit out a year, gaining knowledge and, 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 learning how to be a starter in the NFL and learning how to be a quarterback in the NFL, it's a long process. It's a long process. And it, it's, it's something that I think that is beneficial if a lot of guys, like I'm just thinking of, of, of some that like number one example that I think of when I think of guys who probably should have, who would have benefited is like a guy like Deshaun Kaiser. Now I'm not saying that Deshaun Kaiser would have been like just lighting it up right now, but I feel like if he would have gotten a lot more experience, he get drafted uh, by the Browns, right? Yeah. yeah. So he was part of the. But I mean, the, 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 the sixteen, yeah, all in sixteen, yeah. But at the same time, I feel like 
Um, even even well, we've seen uh, it. We've for sure seen it successful with guys like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and, and it's it's not even like having to sit behind uh, like a great quarterback, but sitting behind like a guy like maybe Fitz Magic or um, can't think of his name, Josh uh, Rosen. Nah, sitting behind Josh. Uh, He's a career backup. I can't think of his name. He retired and then unretired for the and he played uh, in the playoffs with the Eagles. Can't think of his name. Anyway, but like just playing under a, a career backup is beneficial to 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 a young quarterback. But I think with Kaepernick, I think he's a thirty-two year old guy. I think he's gonna want to play. So well, my, my whole argument to you with the Chargers is if the Chargers do go that route in sitting Justin Herbert, they have Tyrod Taylor as a solid starter, like you said. So what is the point in bringing Kaepernick in? That's I mean, very Because you have – okay, let's say you start Tyrod Taylor, your backup's going to be Justin Herbert. And if you push Justin Herbert to third string, that's just, I feel like, stunning his growth. Like that would that's just true. make no sense. Why would you go out and spend a fourth-round pick – or fourth pick in the draft and get Justin Herbert if you're going to make him third string the first year. Like, I get if you make him the second string guy, but third string, I think that's pushing it too much. And I think if you have Tyrod Taylor, there's just no point in getting Kaepernick because you're essentially maybe Kaepernick does play well, but Tyrod Taylor is not a bad player and he's been in the league. So, you know, there's consistency with that. With Kaepernick, there's still a huge question mark on his play. That's very true. I would say more so maybe like a team like, Maybe the the, the the Jaguars, but then again, they obviously have Michu there. Um, I'm trying to think of other teams that are not too confident in their quarterback situation. Well, I think um, well, maybe well, the Lions. Maybe the well, Lions. Cause so, like, so back to your whole point about him not being a backup because it wouldn't sit well. I think put politics aside in this point, it's yes, he has a job in the NFL, but if the guy can't play at its level at a starting caliber level, you can't start the guy just because of the politics. And yeah, I, think, I, I agree I, with that. So I agree. I, I think but I'm just looking I, at, I'm I don't just think looking the, at I don't think it's gonna cause unrest in the locker room or anything like that because he would if he signs with a team, he'll definitely get a chance in the preseason because that's what the preseason is meant for. You're not gonna start you start your starters maybe one quarter and then it's the backups to see what they can do. So I think that is when the whole nation is going to see whether Kaepernick can still play or not if he's signed by a team. And if he plays well, then, yeah, you can raise the question of, okay, they should start this guy. Okay, maybe is it getting into politics? But if the guy straight up can't play, you can't just say, like, he's not going to be a backup on whatever team. If the guy can't play anymore at the same level he was before, he can't play. It's just cut and dry. There's no politics in that. That's just straight football. Right. And, like, I even have, like, some – some reasons, I guess, like you, you could say, like, as far as some positives and negatives of signing him, like we mentioned, like he does have NFL experience, so he can bring that to the table. And we also have the fact that he's been to a Super Bowl and he is, or was when he was playing in the NFL, he was a dual threat quarterback. Um, predominantly a lot of, a lot of the highlights that you see of him doing damage in the NFL is with his legs. Let's just, let's just be honest, but it's not to say that he couldn't, uh, he couldn't throw. It's just he was more dangerous uh, running the football, I would say, than he was throwing the football. But as far as the negatives go, he would obviously be a media distraction. And then he hasn't played – again, people forget. Dude hasn't played in the NFL for, like, three years, three, four, four years. Four years. Four years. Yeah. Last so, game he played was 2016. 
Exactly. So four years, that's a long time. And uh, I heard like Brett Farr was saying like the dude hasn't taken any hits. So he has it to his benefit. Okay. Yeah. He hasn't taken any hits, but the dude hasn't even played any sort of football. It'd be one thing if he wasn't like in the AFL. Yeah. Yeah. If he had been playing some sort of organized football, that's totally different. He hasn't been playing at all. So that, that kind of hurts my thinking of him, of, of, of me wanting to sign him. And another thing is, is that do you, how accurate do we consider him to be as far as a quarterback? And well, he's still 32 years old. So how much, like maybe a one-year deal at best, I would say? Well, would, I, that, that's one like thing. If you're, I think again, if you like how much money are you willing to pay uh, uh, Colin well, he's Kaepernick. Not, he's not going to get a lot of money. We know that. I mean, he. I, do, I don't. But my thing has, is like, I don't think he has a lot of leeway with that because the guy. I mean, obviously, it wasn't his choice that he's been out of the league for four years. Of course. But I mean, when it comes to that, it's like, I think it's pretty respectful and pretty, like, standard. Like, if I was a head coach or a GM, I'd be like, I don't know if this guy can play. Why am I going to pay him a lot of money if I don't know? Like, that's just that's all politics aside. Because yeah. you know, I'm completely pro Kaepernick, but it's like. If that's the situation as a coach or a GM, I'm just going to be like, I don't know. I don't want to pay the guy. I don't want to put a lot of my salary cap in him. My thing is, like, that, would that's he be just willing kind of, to accept that? Just, would he be willing to accept, that's, like, that's reality, league, though. I mean, like, league min, like, league minimum, uh, a league minimum contract or, like, a low, uh, like, a third or second string type of contract, like a one-year if, you know, I mean, at this point, million, if he wants dollar to, deal or something like that. At this point, if he wants to go back in the NFL, that's his But that's the thing option. is what I'm saying is, like, We've seen with the negotiation process with Kaepernick, like there's been teams that have been negotiating with them, but you've heard like different things as far as like, oh, he's not signing for less than this amount or, or he's not trying to go here or. And we also then don't even, know if that could be a cover up because they just don't want the media attention. That's true. And then at the same time, I'm just curious uh, with him getting, because again, like I've always said, if he wanted to like, if he wanted to get in the NFL, he would let people know. Like, obviously, he had the tryout. Obviously, he uh, had the the performance at the high school that he he put on for the media, and uh, and how that kind of fell through because he wanted to have cameras and he felt like he wanted to be able to control, you know, obviously the narrative. And I get that. But my whole thing with Kaepernick is that just sometimes it just seems like. I could understand asking the question of does he want to play NFL football because he actually looks better not playing because it fits better in, into thinking like I was, you know, blackballed and I was, uh, you know, like the owners completely just like kicked me out of the league because of my beliefs, um, not because I couldn't play or not because I wasn't good, but they kicked me out because of the, the stance that I took that's the narrative that has gone forth and that's the narrative that people are constantly leaning towards but if he did come back if he did play and if it was revealed that like he you know wasn't as good then that would give the owners like an opportunity or that would give people that are against Kaepernick the opportunity to be like see we told you all these years that he's not that good so well yeah but I mean also it wasn't I, I don't think the owners will definitely have the argument unless they just 
ignorant because obviously they know the the whole situation that happened with Kaepernick. But I mean, back to your whole thing. I think you said Kaepernick looks better off the field, which I do agree with. Like he's built a brand off the field, which is great for him. But at the same time, the guy played football his whole life. Like that's, that's just a love right there. And that's something that you can't let go of sometimes. Like even if it's bigger than sports, that's something that you just sometimes can't let go of. And it's like, I need that. There's a void in my heart that like I want to fill and that's football. Right. And then I would say, so I'll just, like, I I can't obviously, you know, say that I know him or like I, I would say if I was him, but if this was me, Corey Johnson, and I've played football my entire life, like you said, and I and I was in the NFL, and I want to get back in the league. I would be letting the NFL know, and I'll be letting everybody know I want to get back in the league. You know what I mean? Like he's made some statements here and there, but it's just like majority of the time, his brand and his message has been about more off the field stuff versus on the field stuff. And I'm not saying that. Uh, that's bad, but it just goes into perspective of me as a general manager, me as an owner, me as a business person in general, why am I going to hire you if, or bring you in to work for me if you made it more abundantly clear where your stance lies? It's like, can I even rely on you to be more so focused on, it's like, I guess another argument could be is that like, would he be able to juggle and balance out football with social injustice with the battle against social injustice well i actually have a good point to make on that but i want to first i haven't even said the team that i see kaepernick signing with so let me tell you that real quick and i think that would be the houston texans because i'm kind of set on him not getting a starting gig because if they if a team wants a starting caliber player they will go after cam newton over colin kaepernick that's just my perspective on it so i think his only option to come into a team is as a backup, uh, given that he hasn't played for four years. Maybe he can prove to himself that he is a, still a starting caliber quarterback, which I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, the guy was great when he was a starter. But, I mean, the Texans, if you just look at him, Deshaun Watson, he's a young player. I think Kaepernick can come in. Like you said, he has the experience of being in a Super Bowl. The guy was great with his arms, great with his legs, something that Deshaun Watson is. So kind of bringing Kaepernick as a mentor for Deshaun Watson to, um, you know, kind of elevate his career. And not only that, you think about we, we, we talk so much crap on this guy, but Bill O'Brien, like how, how shitty of a coach slash GM he is. But I think he was so supportive about taking a knee and said that he would even take a knee, which means he's a supporter of Kaepernick's movement. And so that's why I think that's also another plus for the Texans to get someone like Kaepernick. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you're looking at a general manager manager's perspective, you're like, okay, we don't want the media attention on us, like, because maybe that's not something we stand for. I don't know if if GM still think that or owners still think. No, that. it's it's just like, that like you don't having, want that having Bill O'Brien as that general manager. You definitely know that he's backing up Kaepernick. And yeah, and I think as far as like the other side. Yeah, I get you, but like I think what as far as like saying he would be a media distraction, I think majority of the time you're just trying to go about your business. As far as when you're focused on trying to win a a, a championship, like we've seen with these past few teams that have won championships, yeah, there has been like 
teams like the Seattle Seahawks. There's been teams like the Philadelphia Eagles who have been really loud and uh, they've let you know. But majority of the time, I've always been under the belief of like, you get your best work done. Or I think that you you get your your most productive when not everybody's eyes are not on you. When you're able to just be able to move in silence and yeah, be able to sure. just uh, get into a quiet space and in a quiet element, and you have a goal and you're able to just focus on getting that goal done. That's that's my whole thing. And it's 100%. not to say that like you can't uh, be successful doing it the the way of the Eagles or the the Seahawks and being uh, passionate and loud and, um, and, 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 and having different causes and different things that you're, you're, you're campaigning for or fighting for. But I just think that sometimes that does bring an element of distraction to it. And everybody knows that as human beings, we work best when our minds are focused on one thing at a time, when we're focused on like multiple things all at once, or if we're trying to, uh, multitask, they, it's been proven that multitasking is not as productive as just, you know, sitting down and just getting some work done. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Cause I'm someone like that, that you just explained. But back to the whole thing like, you were talking about with, if Kaepernick doesn't pan out as a quarterback, what's going to happen with the NFL if he still does, if he doesn't have it anymore. And I think it's upon Roger Goodell to give him those four years back. I mean, it took him a while just to, to, to come out with an apology for Kaepernick, to Kaepernick and the whole situation. But if I'm Roger Goodell, I can still make things right. And maybe bringing him in as an assistant in the NFL, and I'm not saying an assistant commissioner or something like that, but bringing him in into the NFL league's office. And sort of like a Jay-Z role or something like that? Something like that, but bringing him in to focus solely on social justice reform. And I think that's a good, that's a good thing. I think that would be a a better suit than bringing him back in as a player. I think that the NFL, if they wanted to do something as far as like gain better, uh, better media attention and better, uh, yeah, better publicity and just gain more people to actually believe that they're just not trust back. Yeah. Gain better trust and just not have people just think that they're just full of it and just, you know, saying like, Oh, we're sorry. It's like, okay, what does that mean? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think so, I think doing this move would be the ultimate apology for Kaepernick, and, and it would show you, that the the NFL is serious about it's bigger social, than football. Yeah, and it's not like it's just because, like I said, it's cool if the owners donate. It's cool, like you know, a lot of people or talk about like the NFL donating to different causes, and like that's cool. But I think like um, you actually show that you're trying to change things by the moves that you make outside of the dollar signs that you throw at a situation because anybody can just throw money at a situation and make it just go away. Cause like um, we've seen that time after time where somebody will just be like, here, take this, you know, payoff and just leave. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's still beneficial, but I, I get what you're saying. Like there's other actions that kind of speak louder than just a donation. And I think that's what a lot of people have been waiting to see with the NFL is like, okay, yeah you guys are, are putting money for it, but where's the, the level of energy that you have when it comes to like breast cancer awareness or um, uh, just like any tragedy that happens, like the NFL has merchandise that they'll, 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 they'll put out and the, the players obviously get to like wear pink 
for I think that's for, a, that's a huge thing that the NFL does. I I, I can't knock them for that because, I mean, they wear you, pink for a whole month, so they're no no no. I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking. I'm just saying like if they did something similar to like how the oh, NBA okay, had like you. the I can't breathe T-shirts or like you know stuff like that. If that if they just had, had allowed the players to more so express themselves. Because, I mean, like, we've seen, like, times in the past where, like, the NFL will find a guy for, like, his socks being too long or something like that or the color of his socks being different from his uniform or something Didn't like Marshawn that. Didn't Marshawn Lynch get fined for skills on his shoes or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or, or I think OBJ, like, he got fined because of uh, the tint in his uh, helmet. Yeah. It was, like, right. a, a certain color. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so – uh, I, I th- like what I was saying in the previous episode is I think it's a lose-lose situation. If Kaepernick gets signed, it's like, oh, you're doing this because of everything that's happened. Exactly. But signed, I think, like, like you said, okay. it would be a better thing if instead yeah. of signing him as a player, you brought him in as a front office partner position because then I think that that's, shows that's, that's, it's that's more in good faith. Play. I think that, that's if he doesn't want to play. Right, right. But yeah. if, he, if he still wants to play, that's one thing. Right, but I think it's more beneficial to him and his brand if he took that position instead of being a player. Because there are some people who feel like he shouldn't play at all because it would somewhat look as if he's backsliding on his movement. Which, I mean, that's I mean, that's his I, own I personal think... thing. That's why I said like that's his own personal thing, and it's not for me to judge. But I, like you said, you coming up with that idea is the first like nuanced idea I've ever heard of somebody saying like bring him in as like a front office or. Um, like a, a NFL uh, HQ partner or something like that. Yeah, I I think even I I actually wouldn't be surprised if I mean this is up to Roger Goodell and the front office of the NFL, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does both. He both plays, and if his career doesn't pan out, which I honestly unfortunately think it won't, I don't think he's gonna get a starting gig anywhere. Um, I mean, I I'm still rooting for the guy. Do not get me wrong, I'm rooting for him. I hope he does, but I just four years out of the league and at the age of 32, I just don't think it's going to happen. And I think if it doesn't happen, then definitely the NFL should give this guy a, a job opportunity in the social uh, justice reform. So we'll see how things pan out. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up. We hope you guys enjoyed the NFL and football exclusive episode with a little bit of NASCAR in there. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it. Make sure you guys are following us on social media, on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds on Instagram, the nosebleeds again, that's K N O W S bleeds Facebook. Check us out. The nosebleeds podcast. Corey, any last words? I just think that everybody should make sure you're staying safe. COVID is still real. So be out there, be safe with it. Make sure that you're uh, taking all level of precautions. Um, if you're still uh, protesting, if you're still uh, going to work or whatever, just make sure that you're keeping yourself safe, number one. And if you're going about your business, you know, make sure that's also number two. But keeping yourself safe, your family safe, that should be the number one priority for everybody right now. Good show. And we out. Deuces.